Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. One, two, three, break! Down the middle of the field, it is caught! Loose football! Who's got it? Down at the one-yard line! How about that? the ultimate kibosh. And we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Action Network NFL podcast. Happy 2019 to everybody. It is the Wild Card Wednesday show. I am Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. And here with me are Ian Harditz, Peter Jennings, and Sean Corner. Ian is the director of the Fantasy Labs NFL platform and an action network analyst. Peter is a Fantasy Labs co-founder and two-time DFS world champion. And Sean is the action network director of predictive analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy pros rankers for the past half decade. And you can follow them in the Action Network app at iHeartIt'sCSURAM88 and the underscore odds maker. Use the app to get real-time NFL odds and track your bets. Gentlemen, for my New Year's resolution, I plan to take more unmerited victory laps. Uh, I'm wondering about your resolutions. Uh, Pete, let's start with you. Do you have uh, any resolutions, any, any things you're uh, cooking up for 2019? Uh, my main intention this year is to get under 12% body fat. That's my health one. For fun, I'm hoping to travel with my wife. For work, I'm hoping to have a better year on DraftKings. Sean, what about you? What you got? Now that football's over, get back in shape. And golf, uh, limit my three putts this year. So I'm going to be doing a lot of golfing and getting back in shape now that the uh, regular season's over. Yeah, all of that sounds... Uh, we need very- to play golf, Sean. There's a, a resolution right there. Play golf with the man odds maker. Sounds good. Ian, what you got? I'll do a better job planning more in advance. I want to read more. Let's be great, guys. 2019. Let's go. Yeah, reading more. That's something that's always on the list. Uh, Just got to make time for it. Uh, And getting in shape, that's always on the list too. Uh, Okay, it is the playoffs. We have a, one might say, delicious four-game main slate. Uh, On the Friday show, I will be joined by Chris Rabon, and we will look at all four of the games in detail, and we will break down the separate Saturday and Sunday slates. But for this show, we're going to look at the guys who right now are popping in our pro models for the main slate. Uh, We're going to think about some of the players we might fade, some games or teams we might want to stack. Each of us is going to give our favorite bet of the week, and we're going to make some prop bets per usual. As you are listening to the show, please rate and review the Action Network NFL podcast on iTunes. Subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe. And for all of our written content, go to the Action Network and Fantasy Labs. We are still doing fantasy rankings, even though it is the playoffs. That's how committed we are. Uh, and you can find those at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy. 
we have a small player pool, but uh, I think it's still a good group of players because these are postseason teams. And Pete, I would like to start with you first. Big picture question, and then look at some quarterbacks. But big picture question, any thoughts on playing small slates versus the big main slates that we normally have? Uh, and then any quarterbacks who are kind of catching your eye right now, Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck are two guys who are standing out in our models. But uh, big question, small slates versus the bigger slates. The small slates, uh, especially over the last year or two, garner a lot more action in general. You can get basically uh, whatever amount of action you want down, uh, unless you want just like insane nosebleeds. But these short slates seem to drive a lot of action, and we've seen that in the playoffs a lot. Uh, so that's the first thing. You're really selective in the games you want to play. It's a new year for taxes. you got to be super aware of that. And then in addition, I think correlation becomes even more important especially in these playoff games, understanding uh, you can really be in trouble if you miss that one guy. And having correlated lineups, I think, makes a lot, a lot of sense, more so than uh, the regular season in cash. And the final thing that's really critical, especially on these four-game slates where uh, you have all the games included, and late swap is always really important. But unlike the regular season where you have you know, some tough decisions to make with late swap, where games are still going, the 1 p.m. might be still going when the 4.05 start, uh, this you have a, a huge window of time, and you really need to be proactive about swapping. And potentially swapping early. Like if you fade this first game um, and it goes off, which it looks like it might, and you don't have enough players, then you have to make some really uh, contrarian pivots. So those are the main things. I love these playoff slates pertaining to quarterback. I think you have to look to either Andrew Luck or Deshaun Watson. That game environment is by far the best to me. And you look at the total, uh, it's actually come up from 47.5 to 49. And uh, as we're recording here on Wednesday afternoon, uh, that total is 6.5 points higher than any other game. So I love both those quarterbacks. They're awesome. Andrew Luck had an incredible year. I want to kick it to Sean. Andrew Luck, uh, looks like he recovered a little bit better than you did uh, with that, that, that labor entry, Sean. Yeah, yeah. So I, I keep it, you know, admitting that I got that one wrong. But not necessarily because he did miss the entire uh, 2017 season right. and and we still had some you know when I brought that up we still had yet to see him throw a football we even had that one uh, Hail Mary where uh, they brought out Brissett to throw it so there, there were some signs there but yeah Andrew Luck came up just short of winning the MVP but I give him mad props he's he's phenomenal and was able to overcome it much better than I have so I give him props for that. For QB on the slate, you know, you mentioned, you know, Luck's great, Deshaun Watson's great, but I think I'm going to be targeting Lamar Jackson. You know, once again, he's just a little underpriced, um, really high floor. You know, I don't think the Chargers are that tough of a matchup for his skill set. So I've been targeting him and then, you know, spending up at running back and wide receiver, which we'll get to in a bit. Yeah, real quick, I think it's site-specific. I should have mentioned that. I like Lamar Jackson on DraftKings on FanDuel. Andrew Luck is cheaper than Lamar Jackson, where I'd probably play him. And I do think there's a ton of merit in what you brought up uh, pertaining to Andrew Luck. But what an incredible year. That was more what I was trying to highlight, that he overcame yeah. such a brutal injury. And after that Hail Mary where people were really concerned, I mean, there's a bunch of stats out there. He has played every game, made all the throws, had so many pass attempts, and had an incredible season. Yeah. Ian, I want to kick it to you. You did a really great piece this week at the Action Network uh, where you looked at a lot of the key matchups in all the different wild card games. Uh, what are your thoughts on the quarterbacks in the slate? Yeah, Pete kind of touched on it, but I mean, this is just looking at the four games, there's no way to avoid kind of uh, calling this Colts Texans game the smash spot of the week. Indoors, it's the only matchup between two uh, top 10 fast paced teams, situation neutral pace. Uh, Pete mentioned the high total. And look, I mean, I was, I, I think Deshaun Watson's the play here mostly because, I mean, I was hating on him for a lot of the middle of the season, not because he was playing bad, but he was throwing fewer than 25 passes for like two straight months. I and mean, he was so banged up. He, he's in pressure on 44% of his dropbacks this season. I mean, they cannot keep 
him upright in the pocket, but he's at least gotten healthier over the last month or so, and they've been more willing to let him uh, take those hits, especially in the running game. Uh, ESPN's Mike Clay had a great stat. Watson only had 24 design rushing attempts in weeks one through 14. He's had 17 the last three weeks, so almost meeting that. And, I mean, you know, we see Watson throw down field with Hopkins. I mean, they're you know, arguably number one QB wide receiver combo in the league. So, I think any matchup, uh, you know, Watson's able to overcome, and we got a pretty good one for him here. So, uh, good there. And just one more thing to note about uh, Andrew Luck. Let's give Frank Reich some credit, guys. I mean, we saw this Philadelphia offense fall off a cliff for most of the year. Vikings couldn't even get uh, to the end of the season with their offensive coordinator, uh, John DeFilippo, who's obviously Eagles quarterback coach last year. And Frank Reich and the Colts, all of a sudden, the only uh, offense that really has their stuff together. So credit to both uh, Andrew and Reich on that turnaround. Yeah, and Frank Reich also has some really strong beard game going on at this point in the season, which you you just have to respect. Um, At running back, it's basically – I mean, it's not exactly just Ezekiel Elliott and then everyone else on the slate, but in our models, he is standing out pretty noticeably. Uh, So I'm curious about uh, your thoughts on him, if this is someone we're just kind of automatically paying up for and jamming in, or if we're looking elsewhere. Sean, I want to kick it to you. I think it's jamming Zeke this week. I have him seven points, seven more DK points than the next guy. I don't think we can really trust Melvin Gordon yet. So, you know, with that much of a drop-off, there really isn't that many other options on a slate to pay up for. It's a great spot for Zeke at home. You know, he's probably a lock for 25-plus touches. Um, so I'm jamming him in there. And then after him, it's pretty wide open. I'm looking at both Bears running backs. I'm going to have, you know, divided exposure on both. Um, it's, it's probably more of a Jordan Howard game, but I, I could see uh, Cohen, you know, going off in this one. But we can talk about it next. But the, the Bears receivers are all banged up, so I think they're going to just lean on the running game more, um, limit Trubisky's pass attempts this week, and, um, you know, just ground it and pound it at home um, and rely on that defense. So I think both Bears running backs um, are in good spots this week. Ian, I want to ask you about uh, Marlon Mack. So you pointed out in your article that he really at this point owns the backfield in Indianapolis, uh, but he does have a tough matchup going against the number one run DVOA defense in Houston. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mack? Yeah, it's an interesting situation. I mean, he does own the backfield, but at the same time, Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins are involved enough to make – I mean, he's definitely a game flow dependent running back, I feel like. It's not Ezekiel Elliott where you know no matter what happens, Marlon Mack's getting his 15-plus touches. And like you said, Matt, I mean, it's not an ideal spot for him here. Texans have the number one rushing defense in DVOA this season. And we're not positive if the Colts uh, rushing attack is even going to be a full strength going to this. Uh, got some news right before his podcast started that Ryan Kelly, the Colts center, trending towards being good to go for this game. But Mac has had some alarming splits with Kelly in and out of the lineup this year. We've seen him average 4.84 yards per carry with the Colts starting center, just 4.26 without. So um, I think it's a game that makes, I mean, could be higher scoring. Colts are probably going to need the pass ball. I just don't see them having that much success running the ball. So, honestly, with these prices, I think just head up. I'd, uh, I'd go with Lamar Miller kind of outscoring Marlon Mack this week. I don't know how much of a hot take that is, but I just don't, I really don't like the spot for uh, Mack. I'm curious to hear what the other guys think. You just gave Sean a prop idea, by the way. I could see, like, the, the, his face lighting up. Uh, Pete, well, where are you on this group of running backs? Well, first on Marlon Mack, I mean, his worst game in terms of yards per attempt was against Houston Texans uh, in December. Uh, Did score a touchdown that game, and on the bull side for him, he has five touchdowns in his last four games. But uh, the matchup is tough, and Hines and Wilkins are involved, like Ian said. I've been a big Marlon Mack guy all year. Um, Definitely, I just took a ton of him in the best balls, and I've played him a lot uh, this season. But 
this might be a, a spot where it makes more sense to fade and even get contrarian on a site like DraftKings and go to Naheem Hines, who's only 3,500. Uh, and if they get down, he will be a big part of the game plan. So uh, I like him. I like Lamar Miller, who's rating pretty well in the model. I think the Chicago Bears running backs are really sharp, especially Cohen in GPPs. And then Gus Edwards, to me, is, is someone that's worth talking about. Given his touchdown upside, uh, I think there's some, some pretty nice uh, you know, tournament plays with him, um, especially if you're in a fade Lamar Jackson. So there's a lot of running backs uh, on this slate for only four games, I think, are worth considering. Uh, obviously, Zeke is the, the class of uh, the field, and I think he'll be the chalkiest player on the slate for good reason. But these secondary running backs, I think there's a lot of options. And uh, I'd be curious, Sean's take on Gus Edwards versus Kenneth Dixon. I think Gus Edwards has the multiple touchdown upside, but Dixon is uh, starting to play well, and I know the Ravens like him. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it earlier, you know, when Gus Edwards took over Alex Collins, um, you know, Harbaugh and the Ravens, they just kind of go at the hot hand approach at running back. And we saw last week Dixon, um, you know, he outrushed Edwards. I definitely think Edwards is the back to own, and they're priced pretty similar on DK, so I'm still leaning Edwards, but if you think Dixon's going to be under on this week, he's worth a shot because we've seen that they can just flip it and he can get the majority of the touches this week. Uh, but right now I'm still leaning Edwards, and I do have a prop uh, between those two in the, the prop game this week. Real quick, too, we, did, we haven't talked about two of the highest scoring or at least raw projection scoring guys on the slate outside of Zeke, uh, Melvin Gordon and Chris Carson. Ian, you have a preference out of those guys? I think Chris Carson, just based on the workload, man. I mean, this uh, end of the season stretch we saw with him was wild. I mean, I know I faded Carson in week 17 just thinking maybe they wouldn't overflow this guy with touches in a meaningless game. Nope, he's their RB1. Uh, he was number two in the entire league in touches from weeks 13 to 17. Somehow Zeke was still first, even though he took the last game off. So uh, I think those two guys, I mean, just in terms of uh, the, the workload environment, the slate are clearly uh, number one, number two guys. And, I have less concerns about uh, Carson's kind of game flow, considering how willing the Seahawks are to just run the ball no matter what. Uh, and I think, I mean, we saw the Colts kind of get physical and pound the ball right down the Cowboys' throats a few weeks ago. They've uh, since lost Tyron Crawford, not going to be getting David Irving back in the defensive line. So, yeah, I love Chris Carson this week. I was talking about the wide receivers. Uh, the three guys who are popping in our models who are uh, pretty expensive, DeAndre Hopkins, T.Y. Hilton, and Amari Cooper. I'm curious, Pete, what you're going to be doing with those three guys, uh, are you going to uh, live and die with Amari or are you going to go elsewhere? Amari well, finally actually this year paid off uh, relative to previous years where I, I lost uh, any hopes of uh, multiple vacation homes. But this this year he paid off. I uh, did miss out on the Thanksgiving game, but captured all his other good ones and he was uh, on those best ball teams, which is great. So Amari uh, is back in my good graces, and I think he's a, a really good play. I think Hopkins is clearly the number one guy uh, on the slate, and you want to prioritize him. But, yeah, Amari is a really, really good play. I mean, I think I've been impressed with how Dak's been playing in general. I think the Cowboys can have success throwing uh, against Seattle, who has a lot of young, inexperienced corners, and we've seen some really big mistakes from them. So Ian can get more into that matchup. But after that, at the high end, I think it's worth considering T.Y. Hilton and Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen obviously has a brutal matchup, but he's going to be under-owned. And on DraftKings in particular, he's priced down. T.Y. Hilton, we're going to have to monitor his status, but I assume he's going to play. Uh, and then Allen Robinson and these Bears receivers uh, make a ton of sense to me as well. I think that's a game you could go after some of the pass uh, catchers. Uh, Allen Robinson, uh, Taylor Gabriel, if he's good to go. Uh, Anthony Miller, who – 
looked pretty beat up, but he's really cheap, and we'll see if he goes as well. So there's a lot of receivers on the slate, uh, but at the high end, it's Hopkins for sure, then it's Amari Cooper for me, and then it's kind of figuring out what I'm going to do in tournaments. Ian, what are your thoughts on Keenan Allen against uh, the best pass defense and the best defense in the NFL? That whole, I mean, we saw them. That was the only game all season. Rivers didn't even have one passing touchdown. I mean, he's been almost a lock for multiple. And they pretty much shut down that, that entire situation. I do think, I mean, Marlon Humphrey and Jimmy Smith are the Ravens' outside cornerbacks. They're really big bodied. They held a Mike and Tyrell Williams. Only one catch. I mean, brutal matchup on the outside. So I do think attacking the slot is the best way for Rivers and those guys to go. But just that matchup period, man. It's just tough to kind of spend up. I think he nailed it with uh, Amari Cooper and these Seattle cornerbacks. It reminds me of uh, the Texans a little bit in that, I mean, it's a good overall defense, really good front seven, but you have a good receiver that can actually get to the outside, that's where you can cause some problems. Trey Flowers, Shaquille Griffin, our PFF's number 76, and number 112 ranked cornerbacks this season. So a whole lot of room out there for Cooper to make some plays, and he's finally getting the targets to make plays. It's not like uh, back in the Raiders days where he'd randomly only have three or four targets per game. Career high, 8.4 targets in nine games since he's joined the Cowboys. So uh, with Hilton kind of banged up, Keenan with this matchup, I think Cooper's the you know top high-pricing uh, guy to go with this week. Tom, what do you think, man? Yeah, I so DeAndre Hopkins is uh, similar to Zeke where, you know, I'm just jamming him in almost every lineup, I have them nearly five DK points over the next guy. Um, and then, you know, Ian touched on it. Keenan Allen, this isn't a great spot, but he's so cheap. Um, you know, at 6,900, I don't really have that great of projections from right now, but he's so cheap that um, he's been popping a little bit, my models. Um, and then Pete mentioned the, the Bears receivers. Um, you know, it's, it's not a lock that, you know, maybe one or two of these guys missed this week, so we could see some value open up there. Um, so like, you know, if Alan Robinson misses pe more people might take, you know, Gabriel Miller, but I, I think it's just going to lead me to more Cohen this week. Um, so I, it's, you know, that's something we're gonna have to monitor, but, um, you know, there's a chance that not all three guys go and that could open up value elsewhere. Um, and then, yeah, another guy that we didn't touch on, he's super cheap, um, is Deandre Carter on the Texans. Um, he's been getting a lot of targets lately, um, playing the slot. Um, even if Kiki Kuti's back. I'm not sure he's going to play, you know, that many snaps. So DeAndre Carter's a guy, um, you know, you're going to have to spend down somewhere. Um, and he's the guy that I've been spending down. And um, he kind of he kind of allows you to afford Zeke and Hopkins in the same lineup. So he's been kind of my salary like uh, relief guy this week. The one uh, random thing I really like about DeAndre Carter is that he was super productive in college, almost like a like an arbitrage, like T.Y. Hilton type, where he was productive like in a variety of ways as a runner, as a returner, uh, and then like still pretty good athleticism. So smaller, but good athleticism. So someone who uh, who is interesting and maybe has like higher upside than people would think. Yeah, he'll be popular. I think he's the like when you're looking for punts, he's the, the clear guy to go to. I think the other person who may, well, there's two other guys who will garner a little bit of ownership and uh, we can wrap it up with these guys. I'm curious the opinion on Beasley and Gallup. I'm very biased towards Gallup as a CSU uh, alum, big play potential, very athletic, but certainly a much lower floor. Whereas Beasley um, hasn't been as productive as I thought he would be this year, but after this last game, six targets, six catches and a touchdown, almost hundred yards. He could uh, be pretty popular as well in DraftKings at 3,500. Ian, you have a preference out of those two guys? Yeah, I love Gallup this week, man. I think he said it. And his floor is low. I, mean, I know he had that uh, zero-catch stinker against – I don't think he got targeted in that game uh, against the Colts. But Gallup's One target, down. I think. One, One target. target. I think. Unreal. Yeah, six-plus targets in four of his last six games. And, I mean, these targets 
I don't know how many times I've seen Gallup throw a nice double move and kind of break open uh, deep, and Dak just hasn't put it on him. I mean, Dak and Amari have had a nice like 70% catch rate. That's in the mid-50s for Gallup and Dak. But, I mean, again, we're fishing in the mid-3,000s here. So I think if you want the upside, Gallup definitely gives you a higher chance of that than Beasley because he's actually getting these uh, uh, target depth down the field. So I'll take Gallup there. And I'll tell you what, uh, I know we're saving bold calls for later, but I think we see a lot in the playoffs where defenses just make sure to take away that number one guy. And, you know, with the matchup on the outside being so good, I think Michael Gallup could outscore Amari Cooper this week. Well, if we're talking about Cowboys who are going to go off, we clearly have to talk about Blake Jarwin, uh, who's just, you know, dominating the universe uh, with his three-touchdown performance last week. He is someone who is standing out in our models on the cheap side. On the expensive side, Eric Ebron is really standing out. And, Sean, I believe that in the rankings that we have at Action Network, you have Ebron ranked number one overall ahead of Zach Ertz, which would maybe surprise some people. But uh, talk to me about that and uh, what you're thinking about with these, these tight ends. I'm going to sort of kill two birds with one stone here. So this is basically my fade and pivot play is um, I'm fading Zach Ertz for the first time this year. <laughs> um, I feel like I always spend up at tight end. I love having, you know, either Ertz or Kelsey in my laps, but I think this is the week I'm going to fade Ertz. You know, he's at Chicago. The Bears defense has been pretty good with tight ends this year. Um, only one tight end has um, received over 50 yards this year, and that was George Kittle. So I think he's just he's just too expensive. And like you mentioned, I have Ebron. Uh, in standard rankings, I have Ebron higher because I have his touchdown odds being just insanely higher than any other tight end on the slate. But I, I still have Ertz edging him out in DK points, uh, which is full point PPR. But I think that, you know, this is the, this is the time of fade Ertz because – uh, the tight end, you know, this slate, you have Ebron as a good um, expensive option. And then you have Jarwin as a great mid-tier option. And then Hunter Henry, um, we'll have to see, you know, how many snaps he's going to get. But he's min-priced right now. So I think uh, I might throw him out in a few lineups um, to get that min-priced guy and spend up elsewhere. But I think just tight end has so many different layers to it this week that it's actually an intriguing position. So I'm fading Ertz completely this week. Yeah, I'm going to get a little bit meta. I think the odds of you presenting us with a Hunter Henry prop later in the show are pretty good. Although Extremely I might be, high. Yeah, Extremely I, high. Yeah. Uh, Pete, what are you thinking about with tight ends? Yeah, so I'm a big Zach Ertz guy, but it's a tough matchup and tough to pull the trigger um, on him over Ebron, uh, especially the savings that you're getting with Ebron. I think they'll pretty much score in the same range. I want to play Hunter Henry, but brutal matchup. We don't know. Uh, I'm super high on Hunter Henry for his career going forward if he can stay healthy. I think he's going to be a total stud. Uh, if Rivers can stay at this level for a year or two more, we'll see really big numbers out of him. Blake Jarwin would be the pivot as a cheap guy for me at this point. Uh, he's been productive. I mean, last game was just a total anomaly where he had you know seven catches, 119 yards, and three touchdowns. But uh, he's been getting a little more opportunity. And I think after last game, they're starting to realize what they have. And I mean, you look at his target, 7-7-3-8 over the last four games – that's enticing at only 3,300. Uh, one last pivot play in tournaments. I think Dallas Goder is uh, an interesting one. Uh, if you're going to go away from Ertz as well, I certainly prefer like the Ebron and Jarwin pivots over him. But um, if Ertz it does end up gaining uh, more popularity throughout the week, uh, Goddard could be a really good um, high leverage pivot away from him. Ian, what do you got with tight ends? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, pivoting from Hunter Henry, I love Dallas Goddard, 2,600. Actually, I mean, Hunter Henry's awesome as well, but I'm just worried about the snap counts and all that. Dallas Goddard, though, I mean, as far as just – I think he's a very good tight end. And if Zach Ertz ever misses a game, you know, we'd see him instantly fall into that top five kind of discussion. And he's gotten at least three targets in six of his last seven games, so a little more uh, 
floor, I think, that he's getting credit for at just 2,600. Uh, good note from Adam Levitan on Blake Jarman. He's run a route on 68% of Dak's dropbacks during the last four games. So even though uh, Dalton Schultz has been playing involved as well, Jarman has taken over as that pass-first guy. One guy we haven't mentioned, Trey Burton revenge week, guys. We got Allen Robinson rib injury, Anthony Miller shoulder injury, Taylor Gabriel shoulder injury. If there's one thing we've learned from this Bears offense all season, it's that who knows where the targets are going to go in any given week. Each of A-Rob, Gabriel, Tariq Cohen, and Burton finished with between a 16 and 19% target share in games with Trubisky under center this season. I mean, if those other guys are banged up, I'm not saying Trubisky is going to go out of his way to look more for Burton, but, you know, the way the pricing is kind of set it up, if people are paying up for Ebron Ertz or kind of paying down, this mid-price guy, uh, Burton, could end up getting some more, uh, you know, I guess lesser exposure in a game that he's going to obviously want to play well, and I think he does have the athleticism and talent to make some big plays. So I like me some Trey Burton this week. I have uh, two bold calls this week one of them has to do with Trey Burton that's mm. that's what we call a tease okay let's kick it over to the the fades and Sean you already kind of went this way talking about fading Ertz pivoting to Ebron uh do you have any other situations any other kind of expensive players or guys you think are going to be popular that you were looking to get away from no I, I kind of mentioned earlier though where um you know it, it might make sense to just kind of have a leverage pivot off of DeAndre Hopkins on some lineups with only DeAndre Carter. I'm certainly going to have a ton of Hopkins, so I'm in no way condoning pivoting him. But just for the small slate, you know, having maybe a team or two where you just have DeAndre Carter and, you know, just hope uh, Watson, you know, decides to go to him instead of Hopkins or something. But, you know, largely I'm sticking on Hopkins. But I, I think a team or two with the other DeAndre makes, makes sense as a leverage pit play. Pete, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, in tournaments, I, I don't hate the idea of fading Ezekiel Elliott. I'm going to have him 100% in cash, but you can really make it a different roster with him. I think stacking up the pass catchers and maybe Dak away from him would be the, the way to do it. Uh, in addition to that, um, you know, I think that we're – I'm on that Indy Houston game a ton. It'll probably be what I use mostly in tournaments too, but if you went away from that, there's some opportunity in that same Dallas-Seattle game. You could go to some of the Seattle pass catchers as well, um, but – the two, two guys that are the most int interesting from a tournament perspective this week are DeAndre Hopkins and Ezekiel Elliott because they're going to be so heavily owned, but they also have the most equity. So depending on the format that you're playing, if you're playing something that's super top-heavy, I don't hate those guys as fades only because of the ownership. Ian, who might you be looking to get away from? Mentioned uh, earlier, but I won't be having too much exposure to Marlon Mack. Uh, I like Lamar Miller better straight up this week. And I think uh, Naeem Hines as a tournament play, you know, hope this game kind of develops to a shootout. Uh, I believe he, I mean, he had nine, 60, nine catches, 62 yards, and I believe two touchdowns in that first meeting against Houston. So we've seen them have some problems uh, kind of over the middle with tight ends and uh, those type of routes all season. Uh, other guy I'm looking to fade is Doug Baldwin. I know he's kind of come on lately. He's got four touchdowns in his last four games, but these Seahawks receivers are still kind of, I think, way more uh, close to each other than the pricing is given credit for. I mean, Tyler Lockett, in my opinion, is just a better receiver. He's $900 cheaper, and he's still spending 50% of his uh, snaps in the slot, so he's not going to be spending all his time on Byron Jones or anything anyway. I mean, guys, I was shocked. I, yesterday I looked at the adjusted yards per attempt between every quarterback and number one wide receiver in the league. Number one is Russ Wilson and Tyler Lockett, even better than Patty Mahomes and uh, Ty Freak. So there's some big plays to be made there. They've been doing it all season. And I mean, if we're gunning here for one of these long touchdowns, Tyler Lockett's the guy to get it to us. So even David Moore at a 3,500 offers some upside as well. So no Marlon Mack, no Doug Baldwin. Yeah, yeah Ian. real quick on uh, – I just wanted to jump in on Russell Wilson, how ridiculously good he's been. A uh, really good tweet from David Chow, uh, the pro football doc. 
basically only one quarterback. Field Yates originally tweeted out, and then uh, Chow did a quote tweet. Only one NFL quarterback played every snap for his team this season, and that was Russell Wilson. Um, and he's never missed a single game or start in his seven-year pro career. And that's so incredible given how he plays. I was always scrambling around, and he's not a big guy relative to these other quarterbacks. Russell Wilson deserves a ton of credit. And also, he's a very selfless guy, too. I mean, we haven't heard him ever complain about the, the run-heavy game plan that they're doing. That's certainly affecting his stats as well. So shout-out to Russell Wilson. Great season, and his durability is certainly underrated. Yeah, and Ian, one thing to your point about um, Wilson's connection with Tyler Lockett. I believe earlier in the season they had a, a perfect quarterback rating, wide receiver combo. I don't think as the season has ended they still kept that intact. But they I think had they that actually. I think they actually I think did they finish did. 158.3. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I knew they had that streak going for a, a pretty long time. Uh, just pretty incredible if they were able to do that. Um, Let's talk about some teams or games we might want to stack. And it, it might seem almost kind of silly to, to do this in a, a four-game slate, but um, I think the idea is – and, Pete, you mentioned this. Uh, the Colts and Texans, such a, a high-scoring game relative to the other games that we have on the slate. Uh, so, clearly, that is going to be the game that people are looking to stack. Out of the other three games, Seahawks at Cowboys, Colts uh, – not Colts at Ravens, uh, Chargers at Ravens, Eagles at Bears um, – out of those three games, does any any one of them catch your eye as one that you think has maybe like undervalued stacking potential? The game I'm going to choose is Seattle at Dallas. The biggest downside to this game is both teams are, are run heavy and can eat up the clock, uh, which is not conducive to a shootout, which is reflected in the total. However, Seattle's secondary is really, really bad. I think fading Zeke, going with Dak. I mean, you could, you could play Zeke on the same team too, given his pass catching uh, that he's done throughout this season. But Dak and these pass catchers and then running it back with like a Tyler Lockett uh, or someone else makes sense. And basically you fade Carson and the, the pass catchers and hope Dallas gets out to an early lead with their passing game. And then Seattle has to come back throwing. Uh, that's an interesting one to me. We'll also see what happens with these bears receivers. I think that's another one to look to is just, can the Eagles be effective and, and you know, push the bears to, the, to throw more. So uh, if I'm picking another game, it's definitely that Seattle Dallas game. Sean, any of these games in terms of the total kind of catch your eye? Uh, in other words, tell me what game I should be betting on right now while you're talking. I think the Colts-Texans total has gotten a little out of control. So I'd wait to see where it peaks and then maybe nibble on the under there. Uh, but I, I do like that game. I, I'm definitely going to be stacking the Colts. Uh, I think, you know, a way to be somewhat contrarian when stacking a chalky team like the Colts would be to target uh, Hines or even some of the secondary receivers like Dontrell Inman or Chester Rogers. But in as, as terms of other games, I think the the Bears, Jordan Howard and the Bears defense um, is a pretty good correlation stack. And then you can send it back with, uh, you know, like an Alshon Jeffrey who's in a revenge game as well. So uh, I think the, the Bears-Eagles game offers some sneaky stack potential. Um, a lot of people might be off the Eagles offense this week, but, you know, with Nick Foles, you're either going to get extremely good or extremely bad. So um, I think investing a little bit in the Eagles offense to maybe just catch Foles one more game with, uh, you know, lightning in a bottle kind of thing makes a lot of sense. But I think mostly I'm just going to be targeting on the chalky matchup of uh, Colts and Texans. Yeah. Ian, what about you? Uh, Pete mentioned it briefly, but this Bears pass offense, I think, deserves some more credit, especially if uh, one of these receivers ends up being ruled out and we get a little bit of clarity. I mean, look, only Mitch Trubisky, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Ryan, and Drew Brees had at least four games with 30-plus DraftKings points this season. I mean, we've seen Trubisky go off. He's kind of got this, like, game manager reputation, but, you know, he's got a top-ten average target depth. The guy throws downfield a lot. He's not always the most accurate or consistent. 
consistent with it, but he's got that ceiling we look for, and we, we all know how good of a rusher he is. So I think the Eagles cornerbacks might be the single worst individual unit still in the playoffs. So, I mean, let's target those and see what happens. Uh, and then I don't have much da- uh, data for this point, but we have seen, you know, Andy Reid over the years just go pass heavy all in the playoffs. You know, Matt Nagy, disciple. Maybe uh, Jordan Howard and company doesn't get the same run he's been getting towards the end of the year, and we see more of a pass-focused attack. So uh, give me the Bears of Soldier Field. Okay, let's uh, give some picks, uh, both for you know, real life and also for fantasy. And uh, Pete, let's kick it to you. My bold call is going to be Michael Gallup. Uh, I, I, Ian already hit on it, but I say Michael Gallup outscores Amari Cooper. I'll be happy either way if both those guys have big games, but I'll say Gallup uh, is the, the bold call. And with that, the Cowboys uh, win in a big fashion. I do think Seattle can play well here, but uh, with, with a correlation, I'll say Gallup scores two touchdowns and the Cowboys win by two touchdowns. Sean, what do you got? Uh, For real life, I have the Ravens winning by double digits at home. I think they're just a tough matchup for the Chargers defense that's more equipped to, you know, handle a more modern offense. Uh, I think the Chargers would be a better matchup against the the Chiefs. And if the Ravens advance and they they face the Chiefs, they're going to struggle. But I I just love the Ravens at home this week. So I'm taking them uh, minus two and a half. And then for DFS, uh, I mentioned earlier, I don't know which Bears running back will go off, but I'm going to go with either one of them. So either Jordan Howard or Tariq Cohn will be the top um, scoring running back this week on the uh, four-game slate. Ian, what you got? Yeah, I'm with Pete Gallup, outscores Amari Cooper for my DFS call. And then my bet, I'm going opposite of Sean here. I think the Chargers take care of business and win by a tutty in Baltimore. They've already seen this Lamar Jackson offense once. Uh, I, I realize there, I mean, Perryman's been out, Corey Lijan. Their front seven isn't uh, at full strength by any means, but – I think uh, having that experience against the read option, I don't think we'll see Rivers have a, that bad of a game again. And, I mean, I'm taking Philip Rivers over Lamar Jackson here. I think that I've been picking the Chargers for Super Bowl all season. I think they're the most talented uh, team in the AFC. And this is the first step, boys. Let's, let's go L.A. All right, so we have Ian going against Sean. Uh, Pete, I'm going to go against you. The Seahawks are one-point underdogs. Uh, I like them to win. I could see them winning by double digits. PJ Walsh has an article on the Action Network talking about how sharp betters have pounded the Seahawks, driving the line from two and a half to one. Both of these teams have kind of the similar style of run and want to play defense, but the Seahawks have the yeah, superior coach and the better quarterback. And uh, I'm a Cowboys fan, so in order to uh, give some good free roll. to my team, I, I, like, have to, I, like I have to bet against them. Yeah. Let's see what you're doing there. Yeah, it's definitely what's happening. Okay, my bold fantasy call. Uh, Hilton and Ebron combined for three touchdowns. Hilton has historically dominated the Texans. He's banged up, but the Texans still don't have anyone who can stick with him. They're 31st in the league in pass defense, DVOA against number one wide receivers. Uh, And then also the Texans have allowed top five marks in fantasy points to tight ends. So Hilton especially intrigues me, and uh, I will probably be looking at his props this weekend. And then the other one, which is just kind of like a throwaway, but uh, I could really see the Bears doing some sort of like Philly special-esque type of thing with Trey Burton against the Eagles uh, with, you know, throwing a touchdown to Mitch Trubisky, something like that. Maybe not the exact same play, but some sort of play that involves Trey Burton throwing the ball to a quarterback. Uh, I could definitely see that happening. Anyway, this brings us to the prop betting segment of the show in which the odds maker sets lines for us for the season. Sean, you are 262 and 275, 49%. Uh, that's pretty darn good. Your comeback over the second half of the season has been the stuff of legends. Uh, our guests are 94 and 88. Pete is 84 and 93. Uh, I am a humble 101 and 85. Uh, shout out, by the way, to Scott, the intern turned producer for keeping track of all of these props during the season, especially during the holiday season, while he still has the uh, the young baby that he has to take care of. So uh, Shout out to Scott, man. I mean, yeah. he's just an all-time legend. The yeah. goat. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay, a reminder, Sean's projections power the Fantasy Labs models as well as our prop tools, uh, which aggregate the player props from online sportsbooks. Uh, it compares them to Sean's projections, uh, and it shows you which bets provide the most value. This season, the props with the bet quality of 10 have a win rate of 67%. Be sure to check out the props tool at Fantasy Labs for subscribers. Sean, what props do you have for us this week? Okay, so uh, starting off at quarterback, will the top QB on the slate be over under 6K? So that's, uh, you get Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck, and Mitch Trubisky, and then all the others are under 6K. Taking the over 6K tier. Yeah, I got over as well. The one thing, uh, I guess we did see Lamar Jackson's ceiling game finally last week, but uh, that kind of was the one-man critique on him, and I think uh, that's the choice out of the other guys. So That's what Sean wants. Sean likes the Lamar Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I still have Dak, Russ, Rivers, Foles. Individually, they're not great, but, you know, one of them could go off. I'll, I'll take the over. I don't, I don't really feel strong about it either way, though. I think you guys, you guys have a slight edge, but it's, it's close. It's like 55%. I came up with, but I was willing to offer that. So next up, Lamar Jackson rushing yards over under 67 and a half. Over. <laughs> I'm taking the under. I think he, uh, he has a tough time this game. He went 13 for I, 39, by the way, in their first matchup. I will take the over. I think that's, I think that's a pretty good line. I mean, the, the 39 yards rushing was like by far his lowest total as a starter. I guess the, the question is, I don't know, and Ian, you might be able to answer this, Sean, you might be able to, like, is there something defensively different that the Chargers are doing uh, that makes them particularly well-equipped to defend quarterback rushes relative to all of the other teams that they played against? I don't think so. I, 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 just, I think they'll have a better uh, chance the second time around because they'll have seen all those quarterback runs they're not used to and they'll kind of have more – experience with it but no I don't have any uh, specific data on the design quarterback runs which is what Jackson's doing I mean yeah. Ravens are pretty much the only team we have to deal with this with so it's a tough uh yeah tough staff to find. I'll, I'll take the over I I will admit I um on New Year's Eve uh, I had a friend of a friend who didn't know what I do and I got some pretty good equity on some player props <laughs> so I, I got uh Lamar Jackson under 85 so I'm feeling pretty good about that <laughs> yeah, that's a great thing. The reason I like the over for uh, Lamar Jackson, um, I think the Ravens obviously know what they have in him. And I think they're obviously running him a lot, but I think they're also making sure he stays healthy. And I think now that we're in the playoffs, not that they're going to be reckless with him, but I, I could see an extra one or two carries. Uh, it's going to be so effective. I know that the Chargers have some really athletic defensive linemen. Obviously, Bose is huge and some fast linebackers, but Lamar Jackson is uh, very, very hard to game plan for, and I just anticipate him getting a couple extra rushes uh, per game in these playoffs. Yeah. Uh, as long as he gets under 85, I'll be good. Next up, Nick Foles, total passing yards at Chicago, over under 247.5. I'll take the under. I think I saw he's gone over 330 yards in like three of his starts, but he's gone under 250 and five or something. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take the under. Sean, you said like beginning of the year, man. Like it's just the ultimate boom bust quarterback. He's either great or. Awful. Yeah, I don't, I don't think this prop's going to be close. but um. <laughs> I don't like it, but I'll take the over. I, I think they're going to need to throw. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't feel great about it, but I'll, I'll join on the over bandwagon here. All right, uh, next up at running back. I mean, this, this came up organically in the beginning of the show, so we'll do it. The Mac Miller prop. Who will score more DK points, Marla Mack or Lamar Miller? I have Mack a half point better, so I'll, I'll offer Mack minus a half. Lamar um, Miller, RIP to my boy Mack. I love Mac so much. I'm going to take Miller. I'm going to take Mac. Gosh, I want to take Mac so bad. <laughs> uh, 
you can pick any two running backs or the field um, for top DK score this week at running back. That can include Zeke. I think what makes it really hard is the uncertainty of Melvin Gordon. Um, basically your, your second pick that matters. Yeah. Or, yeah. or you can have me pick two. It's up to you. I'll let you pick two, Sean. Yeah, okay. I'm going to take the field. I'll go Zeke and Carson. I'll go Zeke and Gordon. First both of us? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, next up. Hedge um, nicely with your Bears calls there if you're on the, <laughs> on the other side. I think the yeah. Bears guys have – like, Cohen could break the slate. Yeah, yeah, true. Next up – or actually, we'll just skip to my, my last one. Melvin Gordon, total rushing and receiving yards at Baltimore. Over under 93 and a half. Under. Yeah, I'll go under. I'll go under as well. Yeah, I think there's just – there's too much uncertainty. And then it's also – it's not a great matchup. Yeah. First matchup, I mean, basically one of them. All right, on the other side of the ball, um, Gus Edwards minus 20 and a half rush yards versus uh, Ken Dixon. I'll take Dixon. Yeah, I got Dixon as well. I mean, he's gotten, I think, it's at least nine touches every game he's been back. So, it, I think 20 this, is a little too high. The snap counts lower than Edwards, but it's a hot hand approach again at 20 yeah. and a half yards. I think the reason, too, to be low on Gordon, uh, if the Ravens are successful, they're going to have the ball a ton. I mean, it's just going to be run, 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 yeah. run. So that's another reason to be pessimistic about Gordon. And, Sean, this is rushing yards, right? Yeah, for the Gus Dixon one, it's yeah. purely rushing yeah. yards. Rushing. Yeah, I'll, I'm I'll take zero, zero receiving yards. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so everyone's on Dixon? No, I'm taking oh. Edwards. Oh, you're taking Gus? All right. Yeah. Be sharp. All right, next up at wide receiver, will DeAndre Hopkins finish with top three DK points on the slate? Yes. I'm going to say no here. I think he, uh, I think he's definitely, you know, he, he's, he's been getting his double-digit targets every week. I mean, he's kind of king of that 70 yards and a touchdown. This is DraftKings points, too, to clarify, right? Yep, DK points. Yeah. One thing I did notice, I mean, we saw the Colts really shut down Amari uh, Cooper a few weeks ago. They do a pretty good job against number one wide receivers. They're uh, only one of seven defenses this season to allow under 60 yards per game to opposing number one. So, uh, you know, DeAndre can catch any ball thrown in his general vicinity. So, it's hard to uh, bet against yeah, him. Yeah. If you look at the Colts' schedule, though, look at the number one receivers they were facing, it was probably the easiest schedule. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take Hopkins. Okay. Hopkins uh, is just ridiculous. 164 targets, 11 touchdowns, double-digit fantasy points every single game. I mean, his consistency is just off the charts. This kind of just goes to show, um, you know, some of the variance involved because, like I said, I have Hopkins five points clear of the next guy. But, you know, when I simulate out the week, you know, it's a 50-50 chance he's going to be in the yeah. top three. I think that's important for people to realize you know, that projections aren't, you know, 100% lock or something. Like, okay, so maybe there's a 50-50 that he's not in the top three, but his chances of being in the top five, I think, are really good. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, if I, if I did that, it'd yeah. be – probably like 70% or something. So Top 10 is just like a lock unless he gets hurt. I mean, he's got double-digit fantasy points every game. Yeah. Especially and, on DK, PPR. I don't know. Yeah, and I think the difference between uh, the person who's third and fifth on the slate for wide receivers isn't going to be that big of a difference. You know, so like yeah. I, I think it'll it'll come up to just like a, a, a very small number of points here. All right, so next up, Amari Cooper, total receiving yards versus Seattle. Um, over, under – 65 and a half. Guy is such a mean median guy, but I, I have to stand brand and say over. Ultimate mean median guy. I mean, Amari Cooper. If you look yeah. He said 65 and a half, right? Yeah. yeah he, mean, he hasn't cracked 32 in his past three, but he's all I mean, over the place. 217 before that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'm being a donkey here, but I'm going to say under. I don't think it's a donkey call. <laughs> I'll take the over here. I think uh, it's just 
too good of a matchup on the outside. Both him and Gallup, man. Either of them could really could really go off here. I, I, one, one quick thing about Cooper, though, too. We're talking about he's bringing out the best in uh, Dak Prescott. Cooper's averaging a career high in uh, yards per target this year as well, so kind of been a two-way street there. Yeah. He's going to get a lot of opportunity indoors. He is the classic mean median guy. I think his receiving probably higher than that, Sean. And I think uh, under on Amari makes sense if you look at his distribution. In his yeah, you think, you'll think they'll have it in the 70s or – yeah, I think he's – from what I've seen, I've seen him in the 70s quite a bit, like 73 and a half I could see. Um, but the total's low, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll offer a problem. Yeah, especially after this three-week stretch. I, that's true. He might be, he might be high 60s. Fair. But you guys are sharp, so I had to lower it. Um, he, he's been uh, – his prop went – obviously, after that Eagles game, the two weeks after that, his prop was massive. But uh, last week, they didn't know what to do with him. So it's, uh, Right, yeah. He, I mean, he ended up playing the whole game, right? I mean, it threw off the whole DFS slate, but – I think he played the whole game. So Yeah, I'm looking at it now. He played 66 of 78 snaps, so very similar to what he would have yeah. done in any other game. He had like 11 targets. He just wasn't getting – he was the only Cowboys receiver basically not getting going that game. <laughs> um, okay, so next up, Doug Baldwin receiving yards at Dallas. Uh, over under 56 and a half. Is he going to play, Ian? Yeah, he should be out there. Uh, I'm taking the under, though. I mean, yeah, he's been banged up all year. And like I said earlier, I think Lockett's the best receiver on that team. And, uh, you know, it, it, Anthony Brown, the Cowboys slot corner, is definitely the guy you want to attack over uh, Byron Jones or Chidobia Wuzier. But uh, I don't know. It, I think Dallas is overall still a pretty strong defense. I'll take the more explosive guy, Lockett. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go under as well. Uh, I was reading that he's not feeling – I mean, obviously he's been beat up all year. But, yeah, the hip issue along with the knee – I mean, there's just a lot of things going wrong. He's a, a really talented guy, and I think he could catch a touchdown. But in terms of yardage, I'll, I'll bank on the under there. Yeah, he was a DMP yesterday, but he's kind of been doing that most of the mm-hmm. season. So we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how it shakes out later in the week. Yeah, I'll take the under. Okay, moving to tight end. Um, Zach Ertz receiving yards at Chicago. Over under 59 and a half. I'll take the over. I've got yeah, the just, over as well. It just sounds low saying that, but that's that's what I came up with. I mean, that's fair. It's yeah, you know, it's yeah. a tough matchup, but yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll take the over. I think they need him. And he's, he's been targeted just as much with Foles as he was with Wentz. Yeah. I'll, uh, I love birds too much to take an under on him. Shout out to their organization, their family, uh, charity fund too. Gotta love birds. Over. Blake Jarwin, total receiving yards versus Seattle. This is a tough one. Um, I have no idea what you guys are going to say. I'm going to float 30, Six and a half. Over. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take you over here. Uh, another, another Seattle injury to keep an eye on. Both uh, Tedrick Thompson and Bradley McDougal, their starting safeties are a little bit banged up. So even if they're out there, uh, you know, Seattle secondary, kind of their team's weak link this year, coming back from uh, the Legion of Boom days. So I'll take the over. Yeah, I'll take the over, but I don't feel really confident in it. I do. That's one of my favorite ones. <laughs> I just think the trend is very clear for him. Uh, like – Adam's tweet about how often he's running a route up a big game. I mean, 36 yards. That's, you know, two or three targets for or two or three catches. So are we, um, are we worried that maybe he was so good last week? Cause Zeke wasn't in there. Cause we've kind of seen Zeke become Dak's check down guy throughout the year. So yeah. Maybe. That's a, that's a fair point. I mean, the thing is that he had, he had eight targets last week. Um, the week before that he had only three, but he had seven targets in each of the two weeks before that. So right. like he wasn't really targeted last week any more than, right. than he has been kind of normally, like a little they, bit more. They were also that. down the field. They weren't just all check downs or anything. So. Yeah. He's also pretty athletic, I think, relative to the, what people initially thought. I mean, he's, he's not like, a, he's definitely I mean, by NFL standards. It's not like he's a freak, but for he's a not white Rico tight end, Yeah. For a white tight end, I think people just assumed he wasn't able to move and, 
he showed some pretty nice bursts there at times. So I, 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 I just think that's a classic, it's a classic spot where he's trending the right direction. So um, I, I really like him and I, I think he should still get targets in this game. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel too great about all of you on the over, to be honest. Um, what do you think is a prop? I bet, I bet it's probably like 42 and a half yards. Yeah, I can see that. If they offer a prop. Um, yeah, it's, it's the playoffs. They'll be offering a prop on yeah. most guys. Yeah, I could see yeah. I could see 42 and a half. I'll bet the under that. For yeah. Sure. So the prop we've all been waiting for, or at least I have, because I don't know to do this guy quite yet. But Hunter Henry, total receiving yards at Baltimore. <laughs> over, under 19 and a half. Over. It's basically over under one and a half receptions. Yeah. But, um, I'll take the over. Take over. I'm rooting for the kid. I'll take the under. I'm too worried about the snap count. And also, I mean, Tony Jefferson and Eric Weddle, much respect in the league's best safety duo. So I got the under. Do you think they'll save him for red zone packages or? That would make sense. It's, I don't know. I haven't gotten a good read on the situation yet. Yeah. It's, I feel like Lynn, like a month ago, was almost left no chance for Henry to return. And then, you know, Monday comes around, Schefter tells us he's playing. So I'm still surprised the guy's going to be out there. But 2019 uh, medical technology, guys, maybe he'll be out there yeah. the whole game. Who knows? <laughs> so incredible that he's coming back. I just hope he's, he's good to go. And it'd be really foolish if they just rushed him out there uh, where he's not feeling good. But a little biased, watched him warming up. He looked pretty good without pads on. So. Maybe that translates. Okay, Ian, uh, what pieces are you doing this week at Action Network and Fantasy Labs? Yeah, I came out with one yesterday. Notes on every quarterback, backfield, and receiving core in the wild card round. Have matchup manifesto coming out later this afternoon. Wide receiver, cornerback piece tomorrow. So good stuff. Appreciate anyone that reads and listens. Yes, everyone be sure to check those out. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. For Peter Jennings, Sean Corner, and Ian Harditz, I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt F. Oracle. See you again next episode.